Hey guys, it's me, Bish. Welcome to this episode of Kunai. And you're like, oh my god, Bish, so much stuff is changing. Yes, so much stuff is changing. Previous episode, we did Sweetness and Lightning with Will. And we got Will again for episode 50 of Kunai. Will, what are we talking about today? We are talking about New Game. And to be honest with you, I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to get into that discussion quickly. But before we do, we've got to do our disclaimer. So for you new folks, Get Life Podcast Kunai is a monthly anime discussion podcast under the Get Life group. Due to the nature of the discussion, we can't avoid spoilers of the show to be discussed. For those shows that are based on an existing piece of work, whether it's manga, light novel, or some other media form, we are not covering the source material for those. If you'd like to recommend a show for us to watch and make an episode of Kunai, leave your suggestion on our discord that's getlifepodcast.com forward slash discord big thanks to our sponsors jlist japan crate and crunchyroll in addition to that i don't know if you guys know this but you can also if you are using ios or a mac os device you can subscribe on apple Podcasts. there's this new feature called podcast subscriptions that obviously helps the show out as well that means you get early access to episodes and if there's bloopers you're going to get bloopers in there as well and on top of that you're supporting the show and you get ad free episodes as well so let's get into it well i'm going to pass it on to you. Alrighty, sir. So I'm just going to preface it by saying that um, this is one of my favorite shows, if not the favorite show. Uh, it's done by pretty much my favorite studio being uh, Dogokobo. I always mispronounce that name, but it's Dogokobo. I always want to say Dogokoba, but it's the other way around, Dogokobo. Uh, it is licensed by, of course, both Funimation and Crunchyroll, so you can check it out on either uh, site there, whichever one you have access to. Aired back in 2016, over summer season, and it is 12 episodes long for the first season, and there is a second season, but just like everyone knows, we just talk about the one season here at a time. I am pretty interested. Did you watch the show Simulcasted originally? Yes, I did. See, that's interesting because I've never heard of this show until you suggested it to me a few, I think either a few years back, actually. So I initially watched it, but I didn't really take much notice of it during that season. I'll admit that like at the time I was kind of really getting back into the whole, you know, cute girls doing cute things kind of genre at that time. I don't even remember what else I had watched at the time, but I was kind of looking for another show like that, something that would just be basically be fun and easy to watch and make me laugh kind of a thing and I don't remember what I had watched before it but I remember when I heard that it was going to be another Dogokobo series I was like okay I'm already sold and the fact that it started in um, Manga Time Kirara which a mm. lot of other series that I really like to come uh, come from that, like uh, Gochi Yusa. A lot of the really, you know, cute girl stories came from that manga series and were turned into anime later. To be honest with you, for me, like I said, you suggested the show a few years back. I was actually really kind of, I would say, down in the dumps, to be honest with you. And that's why you suggested the show to kind of cheer me up. And honestly, initially, it did. For the rewatch, it was a completely different thing. But initially, it did kind of cheer me up. I tend to say this a lot on Kunai, but I was kind of hooked from the beginning its initial premise and it kind of reminded me of Shirobako obviously we did cover Shirobako before on Kunai obviously that is based on the creation of anime adaptations and things like that but it kind of had that similar vibe in the sense that it's a show that's basically set in one location and it kind of focuses more on the characters and pretty much how the sausage is made but I will say this this show is far cuter than Shirobako obviously from you know the art style to the premise you know I mean and, and the fact that in this show it is 
all women as the main cast. Now, you know, you do see later that even within, like, their company and their partner companies, there are a few men, but, like, none of them are actual characters in the show. Like, they're literally just standing in the background. Mm. It's kind of like Kaon in the sense that they went to the school. Like, I can't remember if it was, like, an all-girls school, but they went to the school, and you don't see any guys. You see the, the mothers of the characters, but you don't see the dads. Like, there's no men in that universe. And it kind of feels the same with this anime, obviously, as a joke. But to be honest with you, it's kind of nice to see that sort of game development studio where, you know, you have such a tightly knit cast of characters. And I do enjoy that. Initially... When Will suggested the show to me all those years ago, because at the time I wasn't really, look, it's very hard for me to explain, but back then, Will, when you suggested this show to me, I wasn't really that much into it. Yes, I kind of watched it, but I kind of watched it on a whim. I didn't really get invested into it. And the reason that is, is because I really wasn't satisfied with slice of life shows, but rewatching for Kunai, I kind of got hit harder than a bus in an isekai anime. I was hit you know by a lot of memories from the very first episode you know memories of my university life i'm gonna get into this a little bit later but i saw a lot of parallels between my life in uni and in uh, new game so i really kind of enjoyed that aspect of it and for the rewatch of kunai it was slightly different fun fact i actually i don't want to say i dropped the show because i actually watched it in full when you suggested it to me but i didn't watch it like i didn't binge it i didn't have the urge to binge it originally it was just the show that when I felt a bit upset or if I felt a bit pissed off I kind of save an episode you know to kind of cheer me up so it was kind of a show that I took it took me like six months to watch it even though it's a 12 episode show it's basically like watching an episode a month pretty much that's that's really funny that's actually not a too all uncommon like story i guess you'd say when i've talked about this show with other people so like back when it was airing i only really even know know personally of like two other people that were like as into it as i was when it first came out and like i know a lot of people they started it and they're like eh, it's just just another one of those type of shows i'll catch up on it later and then like i've had people that i've suggested to they started it like you said and then put it away and then came back to it months later and they're like oh well i gotta rewatch the first couple episodes because i don't remember what was going on and then it's like they get hooked see that's it that's how it was for me like re-watching it for kunai kind of because i had that time to sort of forget the show and then just kind of rework into it it made me really excited to watch the next episode and the next episode and i think that's probably because of the fantastic characters the comedic moments in the show a, a bunch of different other things like i can't really praise this show enough but i really want to kind of get into it a little bit more in our sort of favorite episodes and moments and things like that i don't know if you have any if we share the same favorite moments or not well i do just want to add in just a couple more little bits of background information because okay. i know i know i know that you're a gamer Oh, you yeah, like gaming. Definitely, yeah, definitely. So I kind of think that m might be kind of why, you know, you obviously might like this because, you know, you know, spoiler alert, the story is about a team of women making games. So I kind of have to disagree with you on that. Like, I didn't like this show because it was about gaming. You know, I surround myself in that industry a lot uh, because of the other podcasts that I do and things like that. So I kind of know it somewhat inside out. And I did recognize a lot of stuff within the, day, the game development cycle and things like that. But that wasn't what appealed me to the show. What did during the second watch for Kuna? was the fact that I just saw some parallels between the show and my university life. So that's that's what attracted me more. 
that's a good point too because even though yes the 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 overall arcing plot of the show is about them making this game that's not really the focus of it either you only just see little tidbits of them actually working on the game throughout each episode but it's not the focus of it type of thing it's just something that kind of keeps the story moving along and it's just in the background kind of thing my point is is yes you have your story it's an overarching story more than anything it's not really the main focus i would say the main focus is the excellent cast of characters and their relationships between each other i think that is the reason to actually to get hooked on this show if that makes sense well absolutely and just like i said going back into a little bit of uh, background information on it uh the series is written by a gentleman named shotaro tokonu Hmm. hope i didn't butcher his name i actually bumped into him one time not realizing it was him at first and having to do a double take type of thing because he had a, a booth set up at a uh, comic market the first year that i came here uh, to japan but i haven't been able to get back up there since and like it still irks me that like i didn't stop to actually like talk to him or get like him to sign anything but yeah how did you know it was him uh just because after i did the double take and i looked back and i saw his table and i recognized the artwork oh okay did he have any new game stuff there yeah he he had it was like a character book where he had drawn like you know some new game characters but he was also drawing characters of like from manga of friends of his type mm-hmm. of deal it was like a character mm-hmm. compilation book that he was selling but you had to get in this huge line because here in japan you like you queue for everything and like when i mean a huge line like you see this person holding a sign there and you think that's where the line starts no that's just where the line is on the inside the building then you have to go out and the like it wraps in and out the building for god knows how long probably a kilometer or so and i'm like yeah i don't have time what i was trying to uh get get to the point here is that he got inspired to write this series because he actually worked for a video game company i have i've i haven't dug in to see what exactly he did or who he worked for but apparently he only did it for three years but that he used his experience doing that um uh, because i do know that he himself worked in the art department but that's all that i know and that's kind of where he bases this story on well definitely because the story is based within the art department uh with alba and the rest of the cast as well so speaking of that i really want to i really want to get into the favorite moments i genuinely do let's go um so for me the show is really like happy-go-lucky and i enjoyed all the episodes not gonna lie to you i every single episode i enjoyed and something i really want to point out even though the runtime is 22 minutes long it kind of because i'm so engrossed in it it makes the show feel like an hour long do you know what i mean kind of like this sort of tv drama that you you know you watch on tv and you're like oh my god when's the next episode gonna come out that kind of thing um which is odd because i don't really find this happening with slice of life because they're not as engaging you kind of find it more with you know your shonen series romance your drama series etc but for some reason this happened with new game so that was pretty cool a highlight for me honestly was episode four one of my favorite episodes because we really got some great dialogue between core and rin we kind of learned more about their relationship we also kind of learned a lot about everyone else and we get to see more of the relationship between uh, umiko and uh, shizuku and you really do learn a lot about a person by their shopping habits so i thought that was a really nice episode for me i do have some others as well i don't know what if you have any thoughts on episode four 
or anything like that. I actually have episode four written down here as well, almost for the same reasons, you know, as you, but I also kind of like Ren, because this is like, you know, her kind of stepping up, not being the overall leader of the game. She wasn't, the, you know, the director, but she is the producer of it and trying to keep everybody on task. And then her already thinking, I wonder if it's even going to sell, you know? Yeah, I thought that was quite interesting, the fact that she's questioning herself in that sense. But I also thought that the shenanigans that occurred um, in regards to the Korean spa right at the end of the episode is something that you get after the end credits and stuff like that. That's what I like about the show. You also get a little bit more story at the end credits, kind of like a Marvel film. But the Korean spa, uh, that was quite hilarious. But also the sleeping over at the office and both of them in their underwear. I know it seems a bit pervy, but it was just hilarious moment to me. I thought that was quite funny, especially Alba walking in and she's like, oh, sumimasen. Like she was, she got really flustered. She didn't know what the hell was going on. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah. One of the gags that I actually think is really funny through the entire series is the whole thing with uh, Cole and her underwear. And like, you know, it shows her the, the one scene where she thinks everyone has left. And, you know, she takes off her skirt and she's just standing there in her T-shirt and underwear. She's like, ah, freedom, you know, so it's but it's it's kind of thinking about that aspect of her. And like she thinks she's a slob, like she doesn't think she's pretty or anything like mm. that because she's so dedicated to her work. But her work is kind of her life. But then other people try to kind of help her realize that there's more to her than just that. But going back to, like I said, the, the whole thing with Ren, even thinking if the game was going to sell but then another thing that kind of adds on to what kind of character ko is is that she says i only care if i'm proud yeah so like she's like she didn't care if the game sells she just wants to be proud of the product that they end up putting out which mm. i think is a obviously a great attitude to have i mean who, who would disagree with something like that exactly i think it's quite admirable especially when you're thinking about like doing creative projects and things like that and for me when i heard that i was just like oh my god i say this to kevin and joe all the time when we do a kunai episode i'm like hey look it's not about what the other people think it's about us producing content that we can be proud of and we enjoy doing right so i kind of related to Ko in that sense and throughout the show I kind of related to a lot of characters as well and to be honest with you a lot of my favorite episodes are episodes that are focused around characters whether it's half of the episode focused around a particular character side story or a full episode on there and I know you didn't mention episode five but that was actually one of my favorite episodes because we got to see more of Hajime as the main subject for the first part of the episode and the whole battle with the AC unit was incredibly funny especially with Yun wanting to lose weight by sweating you know that kind of stuff really reminds me of american sitcoms right stuff like the office stuff like friends you know situational comedies in that sense going back to the office it kind of reminded me of like jim and dwight kind of playing these elaborate pranks on one another and it's weird because genuinely something like arguing over the ac seems like such a menial thing like it doesn't really mean anything but the show really but it happens in real life that's what i'm saying so it happens in real life it is so meaningless but it happens in real life and I think that's what is relatable to anyone that watches this because they tend to make a point of drama from something that is inherently not dramatic and I really do enjoy that. It kind of reminds me a lot like The Office because they had a similar sketch in that as well. I also do love the, the second half of episode 5 because we learn more about Kor's past and how she's grown and progressed as a character. It kind of makes Hifumi admit that she also wants to change, right? We hear about Kor and we hear about how she was and how shy she was and then you get Hifumi is like, 
I really want to change, right? So it's a big step for a character like Hifumi admitting that because before she didn't really speak to anyone. It was mainly just I am and, and stuff like that. She didn't really share about her life other than Sojiro. So it's stuff like that that I really do enjoy. Those glimpses of character development in, in such small lines that don't really mean anything or such small events that don't really mean anything. But because they're kind of real life things, right? They mean a lot to me. Now I'm really disappointed I didn't, you know, write down too much about episode five myself but yeah it's 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 very hard for me because you know that like you know i'm a, I'm a fanboy for this show so mm -hmm. i could talk about every episode i mean to, to re-watch this now for kunai i'm pretty sure this is the fifth time oh, i've wow. watched season one it's funny i actually like season two better but we'll get into that that later but i've watched season one more of course i've also had to watch it in the dub just to check it out which you know personally i don't like the dub but it's not horrible so mm. it's, you know i can say if you do want to watch the dub go go ahead but i obviously prefer the japanese voices i think they fit the characters a whole lot better but that's an entirely different tangent going back to the whole you know uh, ac thing and i think it's probably one of the reasons why i didn't write down a whole lot while i was going because i was just laughing so much it's like because i've been in that exact situation too at at jobs in the past and even with like roommates and things like that so like i mean i was literally sitting here laughing and like pausing the show you know because it was so funny see that's the thing like we don't really have that in england because no one really has air conditioning in their house unless they're millionaires so it's not like something in the u.s or in japan where air conditioning is just very accessible it's not something here so i didn't necessarily appreciate it as a joke but i kind of appreciated it from american comedies that have made that same sort of joke before but other than that i think another episode i think which i wrote down and i really did enjoy was episode six and that's where alba started character designing and to be honest with you it kind of reminds me of architecture a little bit because obviously as you guys know i did study architecture at university i, I do have a degree in design so a lot of the stuff in the show i could really relate to one of which was when they started to talk about the competition especially if you work in the in like any sort of design industry whether that's architecture interior design or, or anything like that if you really want to get big accounts and big clients they tend to put out design competitions so uh, a, an architect for example will do a design to try and win a competition and get their firm recognized it could be a really small firm they can get like really famous overnight because they've won this competition or whatever so i was kind of interested to know that this thing also happens internally in the games in design industry and I really thought that Ko's AOT, the Attack on Titan reference, where she's on the wall, I thought that was incredibly funny. And I, I, I like to say that a lot of the cutaway gags in the show are quite funny. A lot of the transitions, you know, where characters tend to be airheaded and then, you know, you have a different background being put on and stuff like that. I find it very, very well. But also at the same time, that episode, I think for me, was the first time I really felt a heartfelt moment in the show because it's where Ko was giving Alba words of encouragement and she was talking about you know when she was her age and stuff like that and she and Alba she felt a bit jealous and she was giving her words of encouragement and she was just pumping her up and I thought that was fantastic finally we also see what they do on their weekends we see them outside of the workplace which is kind of rare for the show I mean we see it on occasions where they're doing menial tasks like buying the Wacom pens and stuff like that but the cinema scene where they all ended up going to the cinema and none of them realized that each other was there was just it was so funny I almost pissed my pants so I thought that was great yeah 
kind of, like I said, going off what, what you said with Ko and Alba and their whole uh, thing with designing the Sophia Chan, uh, mm. as, as they say. It's so just to give, you know, a little bit more preface into that, which, you know, if, if you've, you know, seen the show up to this point, you know that Ko is also kind of, you know, um, Alba's idol. She's the reason that Alba decided she wanted to be a character designer and an art designer in video games because she fell in love with her first game when she was younger. And that's kind of like, you know, how you're saying Ko, like you find out that when she was Alba's age, she was already like the art director at this company when she was like 18, 19 years old. You know, in the back of her mind, I guess, kind of intimidates Alba. Mm. And, like, through the remainder of the series, she's kind of trying to, like, live up to the standards of her hero being Ko. But at the same time, they have this kind of, I guess you call it a friendly competition, where Ko is kind of trying to groom Alba, get her to grow, get her to be better, while she gives her this task after she puts so much effort into designing just this little villager NPC character. And she's like, okay, I'm going to give you, you know, one of the few, like, remaining, like, big, important characters in our series and I want you to work on this and I was like what really one thing that I, I felt a bit odd kind of a little bit of a gripe for me as a bit of an inconsistency because I am quite familiar with a lot of these programs that they use a lot of the sort of design process etc so when I saw that you know I get that Cole is trying to improve Alba as a designer and things like that and she's getting her to do 3d which is not something that she's ever done before we see it early on she gives her this massive textbook and she says do the exercises from there but within a month, I think episode six is around a month being there or somewhat, if I'm not mistaken, right? Something like that. And it, it kind of shocked me because I'm like, she's doing some pretty advanced things in terms of 3D modeling and doing textures and stuff like that. I don't, I don't want to be a dick, but it took me like two or three years to learn that shit at uni. And she reads the textbook and she just gets it. I was like, no, this this is bullshit. I didn't, I didn't agree with that. I totally get that. But that's kind of like the thing where it it's not just thrown in your face, but it's little like hints and things like that, that like, both Ko and Alba, they're both kind of prodigies at this type of stuff. Mm. That's like Ko is even amazed when like she looks at the, the book and she's like, wow, you've already gotten through this much of the book. Okay, I think we can maybe step you up a bit type of thing. It's interesting though, because you say that Alba is a prodigy. Yeah, so the thing I found a bit odd about that was I don't think she realizes the potential that she holds because in that very same episode when she's like, oh, okay, uh, the next project I'm going to need you to do instead of a week for this model, you're going to need to take three days. And then Alba's like, oh, can I request four? And she's like, no, you need to do it in three days because ultimately you're going to be doing this in a single day. So it's clear that Alba, at least in the beginning and even towards the end, maybe she changes a little bit. She doesn't really know her self-worth in mind she's coming in at the age of 18 straight from high school not knowing what the hell's going on never done 3d work before having no traditional sort of training in this it's interesting in that sense another thing that i wanted to know is i don't know if this is something japan specific but do companies usually take people without experience like that because that seems like a big deal like i've applied for a lot of jobs in the games industry and they're like you need a degree in game design you need a degree in design and you need this you need that even for entry-level jobs and i was just like is this something in japan that people just allow i don't know so both yes and no so one thing to kind of keep in mind here in japan like when you go to high school high school is it's kind of like pre-university 
university. So when kids want to go, you know, from junior high school into high school, they're 15 when they graduate junior high school here, for one thing. So they're already a little bit older than like junior high school kids are back in America. But they also test to get into high schools of their choice. Mm. So like a lot of like, like my former students, they ended up testing into high schools that were like one and two hours away. So they, they go to the high school during the week and stay in a dorm and then come home on the weekends because the high schools themselves are specialized. One high school might have a better sports department. One might have a better art department. One might be focused on science, etc., etc. Of course, there are just general high schools as well that, you know, the kids can choose to go to. But, like, you'll find out in this show that, like, Alba and her friend, who we'll talk about later, went to the same art high school. Yeah, it was mentioned. And I think also Nenechi also mentions that Alba had an offer for, like, a really prestigious art university and she declined it because she wanted to follow her dream for game design and stuff like that so it is kind of mentioned but for me i just find it very hard to believe just because it doesn't really happen in real life at least in the uk even like for qa testing the stuff that nenechi is doing with without any experience and she's just basically coming in on her days off and whatever just to test test play games and stuff you need a degree to even like qa test in the uk which is insane it's not a common thing but it does does happen in japan because they said you know going going back in with the whole school thing you're considered quote unquote an adult at 15 and you graduate junior high school like you don't even have to go to high school well like 90 something percent of people do end up at least going on to high school but after 15 you can already start work you know working if you want to now you're only going to be getting a job like something like you know maybe working at a you know convenience store or something Mm. like that but the fact that legally you can do it but it's also a different attitude here in Japan where even people who are like garbage collectors and work at fast food restaurants they're still highly respected because of the fact that they're still contributing they're still working they're still doing their part okay well fair enough I mean it is kind of similar in the UK because obviously you can decide to leave um, school at 16 and start joining the workforce and stuff but I wouldn't say there's that respect for just going out there and working and contributing to society and we kind of see that a little bit I don't know if you kind of want to get into your favorite moments and things like that so just touching on a couple brief things here obviously the first episode for me like i remember when i when i started it up i was like okay is this really just gonna be another cute girls doing cute things type of type of show but mm-hmm. like because it starts off with the whole joke about alba looking young and people are like what's a junior high school kid doing here type of thing and she's like i'm an adult you know because she's if i recall correctly she's 18 when she first starts within like a few weeks of being there she turns 19 because i know she's 19 by the end of the season mm. that kind of sets up at first maybe a little bit of that self-doubt that alba has but you're automatically introduced into what type of character she is you know she's you know she's there super early you know already showing she has a good work ethic she you know it shows her in the bright colors sunny day it like really illuminates her I'm like okay this is your vehicle into this show the character you're gonna be following and everything which i thought was a really good setup and then like the first thing that you see after her being all serious and ready and gung-ho to work and she gets into the office and uh, like ren lets her in the next thing you do is you see cole waking up in her underwear like whoa what's going on here already like we're two minutes into the show and we're already getting a panty shot mm. but 
then the show just develops more and more from there. So I think episode one, obviously, is a good setup for the overall premise of the show. Then, personally, I actually really liked episode three. Now, like, we always talk about those three-episode rules that a lot of people do with anime, and, like, episode three always kind of seems to be a turning point in the series. Mm. But for me, I just thought it was just another funny episode, but it's an episode where I was, again, just laughing my butt off. I call it The Run when they're late for work. Oh, okay. Because in Japan, if you're on time, you're considered late. Like, everyone expects people to, like, if you start work at 8.20, you're kind of expected to be walking in the door at, like, 8.10, 8.15, saying your hellos. Because people like to talk before you get right into work. Mm. It's kind of like a little mini hangout session kind of thing, too. And it just shows that you respect your co-workers as well as your job itself. And then I thought it was hilarious where they, they made the joke about the tardy forms. And then they actually did. Um, they're like you actually made tardy forms so I thought that was hilarious and then when Alba sent the um, official email to Ko Ko was like don't don't give me a tardy form just send me an official email you know just so I have record of it and she put emoticons in the email she's like don't send emoticons you know once again kind of showing like how young she is and kind of bouncing forth between being a serious workplace and her still being young like I said it's just it's kind of um, I hate to use this term because it's not what it is but it's almost like a coming of age type story for her mm. but once again as we talked about earlier the show isn't just about Alba like I said she's our vehicle into the series uh, do you have anything else that you want to say about that in uh, particular not really but I think uh, unless you have any other favorite episodes and stuff like that uh, you want to talk about I think that's a great place to sort of transition into our character segment um, I do have some other favorite uh, moments here. I'll just go through them real quick because, like I said, a lot of them aren't really integral to the story. I just think that they were good moments. One, I really like the uh, episode seven. We get a lot more information on Umiko, who's like the the, the person that does the, uh, the head of like the programming team and helps fix the bugs and all that type of stuff. Because you think she's just just serious character the whole time, but then you like discover her hobby with the whole airsoft and all that type of stuff. It's like so she does have a fun side now to the other characters. She's still really scary, but you do learn that like she isn't always as dead serious. Just even what she loves, she's serious about she's more passionate and then also the, the health check which a lot of people like I know when the, it was airing they kind of discredited it as like a fan service scene but I don't really see it as that I just thought it was just another cute team building scene because of mostly the spaz nurse when they're sitting there and they're all praying please don't give me the spaz nurse please give me the old lady please give me the old lady and they're all thinking the same thing but then they're also talking about each other's health and they're actually concerned about each other's well-being so I thought that was nice but like how you were talking about uh, the whole backstory with Alba and Nanechi, I do have that written down here, which it was episode 9, where they're kind of wondering uh, about how serious both Nanechi and Alba are about getting into this type of work, and that's when Nanechi brings up the story of like, well, you know, Alba and I were supposed to, you know, go together with friends to this same prestigious art college, but she decided she wanted to go right into making games because it's her passion and her love, and everyone's like, really? She gave that up to come work here? And, you know, she's starting at this small video game company, but it was her choice because it was like her dream place because this is... You know, like I said, the studio and the creator that created her favorite game and got her into art in the first place. After that, episode 9 was one of my favorites, too, with the whole Alba and Nanechi fighting. Mm. And then both of them realizing 
We need to make up here because this is something really stupid to argue and fight about because Nanechi is kind of jealous of Alba's spending so much time at work because they're getting down to crunch time to finish the game and she keeps wanting to do things with her and then Alba's like, well, you just don't understand. And then she's like, oh, I don't understand. But then how they do end up making up is one of the sweetest moments I've ever seen in an anime. Yeah. And it's so simple too, but it really is, in my opinion, true to life how a lot of like fights and makeups, you know, end up being. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, because it's an anime, it gets resolved within one episode, right? I mean, in real life, it wouldn't last, you know, the span of one episode or whatever. But yeah, it, it was quite interesting. It's one of the very few moments that we see conflict in this show. You wouldn't really necessarily expect it, but I did enjoy it as well because you're going to see that in real life, especially with really close friends. No one's really always happy all the time. People are going to have arguments, etc., over some really meaningless things. But I think that is a good place to sort of transition into our story segment and themes as well because I really have a lot of notes on it let me just get them up i just want want you to go ahead with it now i want i want to hear what you thought because obviously i could talk about this this show forever and ever but i want to hear other people's perspectives i'm going to mention this in the story segment okay i really enjoyed the setting of which the story is um set because it really does allow for great character development as well as the structure it kind of allows for secondary storylines to merge well and integrate into the main storyline unlike other slice of life shows because with other slice of life shows if we're talking about Nichiju if we're even maybe if we're even talking about Kaon as well you have three segments right and they are always random they never kind of intertwine together but the main thing that clicked out for me was episode five in which you started with was it episode five it was the episode in which they uh, Hajime and Alba go and buy the pen yeah that was episode five it starts with them buying the, buying the tablet pen. so they buy the pen and then by the time they go back that's when she feels a bit chilly at work and whatnot and then that sort of transitions into the next scene which is great and that's stuff that i like to see when even when those side stories integrate into the main plot of the episode i really did enjoy that it's very unlike this type of show and the comedy within the show is superb although i'll be real with you there wasn't really any laugh out loud moments for me but i will tell you this i was grinning from ear to ear throughout the show because of its sweet plot lines and by sweet i don't mean sweet dude i mean like sweet as in oh this is so cute this is kind of sweet story and the comedic moments intertwine and woven into those as well. I mentioned earlier that the setting itself was nostalgic because it reminded me of my time in uni. As you guys know, I did study architecture. Uh, I have a degree in design and we kind of formed similar, smaller friendship groups amongst our design unit. So like you had maybe a hundred students and everyone had their own professor, or like a personal tutor and whatnot. And we had our own design unit similar to the different units in the show, right? And ours was the smallest. We only had like four or five people in our unit so it kind of reminded me of the characters in this show because everyone's designing together in really close proximity in these booths which once again we did that uni and it kind of took me back like taking breaks together pulling all-nighters in the computer lab at uni sleeping in the library and underneath the desks in the pc lab just to, to meet a deadline and stuff like that and i saw it all and it just hit me and i was just like wow this is bringing back some to be honest with you i really hated uni don't get me wrong but it brought back all those friends and it brought back all those good memories of that and I, I must say the show itself is 
incredibly accurate in that sense. Although, I'll be real with you, not all game studios are like this. This is an independent studio. It's not a AAA studio or anything like that. But similar, smaller scale development studios operate in a similar way. One thing that I do like, and I, I really wanted to mention this in story and themes, because to be honest with you, I think this is where the show sets itself apart from any other show of its kind. The show is very comedic and we get that and it's great and it's cute and it's, it's cute anime girls doing cute things, but it doesn't shy away from the issues faced in game development, right? It addresses them clearly and it sort of puts over that cute filter on it, you know? We find it funny that Ko sleeps under in, you know, in her underwear at work, but at the end of the day, it's sort of trying to take away from the fact that she is sleeping at work. She is working herself too hard and this is a reality. This is a reality in the games industry. There is such things as overtime, crunch time, delays also exist and people do even quit because of the immense amount of pressure from higher ups and we only find this out in the last episode of New Game in which when Ko was the AD, the art director, someone quit six months in. Someone that was in Alba's position quit six months in. So we see that a lot and to be honest with you, going back onto your point that you've made with Rin, you know, when she was pondering, right? She was worrying whether or not the game would even sell. Rin asks Ko in episode four, although it's not explicitly mentioned that she's worried or whatnot, I feel that she's only asking this because she understands the harsh outcome of what happens if games don't sell well. Studios can shut down, downsize, a lot of things can happen. And personally, I enjoy these story elements, these really small elements in the show, because much like Shirobako, it shows the audience how the sausage is made. And I see too many times online of fans of a series of a game or an anime, and they get really upset that it's delayed. This show shows the real side of games development, you know, that these people are real human beings that make these games. They're not robots and they're incredibly overworked. And I have a quote here from Shigeru Miyamoto, the guy that made The Legend of Zelda, Super Mario, etc. He said, a delayed game is eventually good. A rushed game is forever bad. And you know what? He's right because it is just true, right? And I hope people see a show like New Game and understand the amount of work and effort that goes into games development and be more understanding and compassionate almost when we find snags in little games in the game development cycle or little glitches here and there or when our favorite game series is being delayed by a few months or years and that's really what I wanted to sort of bring up in terms of the story that's really my main focus on that. It's honestly one of those things that I didn't pay a whole lot attention to in this show while it was first airing. Now on subsequent rewatches, I'm like, man, I'm like, there's a lot that went in this. Cause I'll admit, like I said, the first time I watched it, mostly I was like, hey, hey, cute girls, you know, kind of thing. But like, as I've fallen in love more and more with the series, I've really paid attention to things like that. And it's like, you really don't realize how much goes into just this one game until they're going to their like wrap up party. And there's so many people there. And like how you said, like wow there really is a lot into this and we get that in the show too yeah. when the character show like what are all these people doing here like even Hajime even though she had been with the company for a while this is the first game that had actually come out since she had been there type of thing and then they're explained well these are all of our part our partners our investors our support groups our partner studios I mean they have like the voice actors there they have like even like when Nanechi's there she's like haha even I got invited and then like everyone gets invited everyone that had a hand in this project is going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I think that's really all I have to say in regards to the story. Like we mentioned before, the story of the show and the way the show is structured is that you do have your overarching story, but it's not the main focus. The story is kind of told through 
the characters and the characters are that vehicle for the storytelling well it, it, i mean in my opinion the characters are the story yeah because every character even characters that don't get a whole lot of screen time they all have their things going on they all have their doubts they all have their challenges that they're trying to overcome and it just kind of congeals into this whole baked dish i guess you could say at the end within this company making this game and like it's it's the the game and the studio itself is just kind of a vehicle for the story of each individual character mm. growing as a person it's very hard for me to say definitively this is my favorite character because to be honest with you all the characters are great for their reasons right so i really want to know your thoughts on the cast of characters in this show who you like who you don't like what do you like about these characters there is not a single character in first season that i don't like okay. now let me preface this so i love them all i mean and this is why like i have stressed to so many people in my personal opinion why i think this show is so good because even characters that don't get a whole lot of development you get little taste little snippets here and there of you know what is going on with them but of course the show mo this first season mostly focuses on elba in my opinion co they're like the two main people of this first season but you could take any character in this show and flip the script and base it around them and their story and it would work like i said before the characters themselves are the vehicles and that which drive the story forward and, and it could have been replaced with any character not to say that's a bad thing it's quite actually a really good thing the fact that the show relies on such so many characters i think it kind of also reflects on the story a little bit because in games development you need to rely on multiple people to sort of get the final product done and i think the show is also somewhat doing that subconsciously right it's relying on this cast of characters to actually give you the final product of this anime i just want to go through the characters a little bit i'm gonna leave my opinions for nenechi last because you did ask me yesterday what is my thoughts and i said you know what well we're gonna save it for the episode and i'm gonna give my thoughts on nenechi last because i feel like i have a connection a personal connection with each one of the characters which is very rare in in anime for me but like i said because of the setting and because i mentioned before parallels between me and my university life i found that a lot of the characters reminded me of people that i've met in my life so another reason why this entire cast i think is so strong every single one of them has flaws mm. none of them is a perfect character you know so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as we get into each one but i definitely i'm really excited to hear what you what you have to say about about these characters okay uh, i think we should start with alba because she is somewhat quote unquote the main character of the show i really do enjoy alba's character and i think that's because she's incredibly relatable right i remember for me starting university not knowing anyone not knowing the campus building not knowing how to get to the toilets kind of like alba in the beginning all flustered i didn't know what the hell i was doing and i didn't know anyone and I didn't even know how to draw. Obviously, Alba knows all of these things, but I had zero experience. I love her work ethic. That's the first thing. I love her attitude. She's always excited to learn new things, but at the same time, she gets frustrated. That's one of her flaws, right? She gets frustrated by all of these do-overs and deadlines. And at the start, you know, she's asking for four days instead of three. She gets a little bit leery. You know what I mean? She's trying to sort of bargain her way out of doing work at the beginning, at least. I kind of relate to that a lot. 
because there were times when I was at Union that I was like, oh, is it right if I uh, give this to you guys next week? Or you know what I mean? Instead of producing the thing straight away. Like I said, I really do relate to that a lot. She works incredibly hard, but also at the same time, her character design, I'm going to mention character design in this character portion as well, just because I think they go hand in hand. The way she's dressed really reflects her work ethic. You mentioned, right, that people in Japan being on time is considered being late, right? So she's there incredibly early. She's always wearing her suit. It's not because that's her only outfit. She has a, a lot of other clothes, but for me, it seems like she's dressing for the job she wants to have, right? As opposed to the job she currently has. Because if I go into, a, a, you know, an office job or whatever, or, or any games industry job, a lot of people are just wearing t-shirts and jeans and, you know, coding and shit. But she's actually dressed kind of like an investor in a way, you know what I mean? So she's dressed for a higher up position that she wants to get one day. And I really do admire that. I kind of enjoy Alba and how she spends her night also at least in the earlier episodes when she was on the phone with Nenechi, right? She spends the night reflecting on the day's work that she did and how she's learned from co-workers or the Maya tutorials and how she can use those lessons to improve. And I think that's a very admirable character trait, honestly. She knows she has the ability. She knows she has the drive. But after she gets into the situation, then she starts to have those doubts about herself mm. and overcoming her own doubts. And that's why I think Ko kind of takes her and starts being, for a lack of better words, more strict with her. Yeah. Because she knows if she pushes her, that she'll develop into something even more. And like why she, when she starts getting frustrated with all the redesigns that she has to do over this little, you know, villager. But then like later in the season where like Nanechi just happens to walk by her desk and she sees all the characters that she's worked on. She's like, Alba did all of these, you know, and it just really shows how she went from taking a week and a half to do one character to doing like half the cast of the game by the time it's finished mm. you know so it really does show progress and growth in her not just as a person but in her skills kind of a thing even that in a way kind of reminded me of of how i was at uni because like i said i didn't know anything i didn't know shit you'd ask your tutors and your professors and stuff and they would give you such weird advice which is another thing that i'll bring up because it reminded me of one of the characters reminded me of one of my professors but they give you such weird advice and she's like what the fuck do i do you know what i mean but that kind of drives you to produce better work and all of these redos and that kind of stuff reminded me of, of university because when I was studying there was some really weird things that you'd show your work at the beginning of the week on the Monday from the previous week and they'll be like what is this just change it I don't like it and then you'll change it and then you show them next week and they're like no change it again I don't like it and then you'd be drawing the same building hundreds of times and it pissed me off so much but then at the end of the year I look at my work in the exhibition and I'm like oh oh wow now I understand why they they, they tell me do this again do this again because it kind of hammers the point into your head and it's it's so interesting because i think rin was the one that said it, it was that alba you know ko at, from the start that these were good enough she didn't want you to just hand in good enough work she wanted to push you and to sort of improve yourself as a game designer and i relate to that i mean that's a very apt correlation between your personal experience and the experience of someone like alba too because just like you said ko could have taken what she did right off the bat mm. and like I loved how in the show too, it even showed you how much that one little NPC character changed 
from the original model to how much detail was put into it. Because, like, Ko has this whole thought of, like, even though it's a quote-unquote insignificant character, it's still part of the world mm. and still needs to feel like it's this living, breathing being. But she also didn't want to just straight up tell Alba, do this, do this. She was just like, make it better, make it better, but not telling her what she wanted. But then Alba had to learn on herself to maybe she can't always only rely on her own thoughts and she reached out even to uh haifuman mm. and like they were doing their little you know direct messaging back and forth asking her like well how did you do this because she even saw like some of haifuman's work and uh wanted to like pick her brain on how she got things and then she just basically gave her i can't remember the exact message that she gives her but basically it's just like go with your heart yeah what feels right and then Alba's like okay I got this speaking of Hifumi and Ko I do have some points about Ko Ko and Rin are just fantastic characters and they really work together and it's kind of a shame that we don't really get more airtime I really would have loved to see more airtime for those particular characters uh, and to kind of learn more about their past especially when they were making the first fairies game and the second one as well and seeing how they grow but I really enjoy Ko's approach to game design yes she was apparently harsh before when she was an AD to the point where someone they had enough and they quit but clearly she kind of overcame that and she's trying her best to be different especially with Alba the newest starter to Eagle Jump I enjoy how she doesn't just settle for good enough all those redos like I said were there to improve Alba's work and to get the best possible work for the product she has an incredible eye for detail as well there's something that I noticed which is evident when she mentions to Alba that she just enjoys looking at NPCs in detail when playing a game because Alba was like no one's gonna notice the NPCs there's hundreds of them and she said you know what I look at I notice these NPCs you know you can see that she loves her work I don't think she would spend all that time working and sleeping at the office if she hated it so I really respect her as a character as, well. as much as Alba is the main character and the driving force behind the show so is Ko mm. on on her own level and I think that's by design because of the fact as I mentioned earlier that she's kind of Alba's idol and it's funny too like when they first meet she's like wait you're her you know kind of a thing and uh but then at the same time she's like wait this slobbish character is the woman that i kind of like idolize <laughs> but uh i think like ko's kind of fault is that she and i think ren even says it at one point but not to ko i can't remember exactly but like you say ko's like fault is that she isn't always very open or straightforward mm. you know like you even see that at the the little party when she finds out that she's going to be having to step back up into the ad role and she literally just like leaves the party and goes and like washes her face and sits down by herself you know because she's this realization like oh my gosh i've got to do this again you know and i don't th and she she doesn't think people will follow her she doesn't think that people will be able to i don't want to say live up to her standards because that's not what it is but she is just so driven to make the best game the best product possible that it's you know intimidating to people but at the same time like i said before she's a little bit jealous of alba too and you you really find i mean i you know we can't talk about season two here but you really find that out in season two that like as much as she loves and respects and admires alba but she's also jealous of it because she notices her natural talent and it reminds her a lot of herself. I found that a bit odd because I didn't really necessarily notice that in the show. I didn't really see it more as jealousy. I saw it as this could be my next of kin, basically. And, and it kind of, for me, it didn't feel like jealousy. It felt like she saw her natural talent and she's trying to 
train her up to one day, you know, take over that role or maybe join a different games company like in a certain role or whatever. And I don't necessarily mean jealousy in a negative light, more more of an admiration, I guess would be a better okay. word of dis- of describing it. All these characters throughout the show kind of have second guesses about themselves. And that's like, you know, Ko just keeps second guessing herself, not, not thinking that her own work isn't good enough, but second guessing if people are actually going to follow her and listen to her to her desires and what she wants out of a game speaking of ko because i i don't have much on rin but i really did want to mention it a little bit that rin the art director she's typical okasan you know what i mean like typical mom character she's so often that sort of voice of reason if that makes sense she's a counterpart to ko having started working at eagle jump together at the same time she oversees everything as the art director for the art team but she doesn't seem to intervene that much which shows that the team has a great synergy together that she doesn't need to be like hey you know what don't do that or don't do this but she does it on occasion you know if they're taking the piss especially later on when she goes and sees you know when Alba goes and talks to Nenechi for like half an hour when they're supposed to be working or something like that and she reminds her you're on the clock get back to work I kind of feel that she is the link between Ko and Alba in the sense that she's kind of translating what they say because Ko has a difficult time communicating especially expressing how she feels or really being straightforward in her approach to teaching and even game design right so I feel that Rin is that link between the two and you see this I think in like the third episode when she's trying to explain to her on the train that look you could have handed her in as it was but she wants you to improve and she kind of continues to kind of give those life lessons throughout the show and kind of interpret what Ko actually means because they know each other so well so part of me thinks that she needs to be there I don't know to be honest with you obviously we don't talk about a second season but I don't know how that would work for a second season especially assuming that Ko is going to take the art director role what the hell is Rin going to be doing how is that going to work are we going to see as much etc etc I don't really get into it that much but that's what I have to say about Rin I do want to go into Yun I want to mention Yun a little bit because for some reason well I have a feeling I don't know why but when I was watching this show I had a feeling that oh Yun is going to be Will's favorite character don't know why but I see you smiling so I don't know would you say she is one of your personal favorites I do want to say one quick thing about Rin so the whole Rin Ko thing I don't think you can really have a Ko without a Rin at least at Mm, this time I agree because of the fact that Rin is the organized one the motherly one and she's the one that even keeps Ko herself on task yeah so and I'll just leave it at that. Like I said, you'll find you find out more about them if you actually watch the show. And then, of course, you'll find out what happens with them going into season two. But, you know, no spoilers right now. Now, as far as Yoon, now you have guessed, right? She is one of my favorite characters. Now, it's hard for me to say this character is my absolute favorite, you know, but Yoon is one of my favorites. She's definitely like I'd put her even in top three. Okay. But I also find her a bit relatable. So she's like, like, I have this problem, too. I see myself a bit in Yoon because in fact sometimes she's kind of smug and arrogant Mm. and she doesn't really have the right to be and i get like that too so uh and and sometimes when other people make mistakes like she kind of eggs it on and laughs about it like even though like hajime is one of her good friends she kind of pulls pranks and jokes on her and likes to see her mess up and get laughed at Okay, it's a good thing that you mentioned that because at first, when I was initially watching the show, not for the rewatch of Kunai, when I was initially watching the show, I felt that Yoon was a bitch, like an absolute bitch. 
and I can't seem to pinpoint the reason. And I think it might have been because of the combination of her character design, the desk trin trinkets that she has, the whole gothic sort of skulls and everything. And the fact that she has that teasing banter with Hajime and she seemed almost like a fake sort of bitch sort of character. I just, this doesn't make any sense, but she kind of reminded me of like how Senna was with Yozara in Haganai in that sense, you know, that sort of teasing, but like in a very mean way when rewatching for Kunai, I started to realize that, oh, I didn't really get past the third episode after the, the main rewatch and whatnot. So I was kind of mistaken. After the third episode, she chills out a little bit. She's harsh at times. But then in that episode where, you know, you see that on the weekend, how she is with her siblings and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, okay, she's a sweet lady. And she wants her co-workers to learn and she wants them to, to improve. And she's an incredibly kind soul. And I kind of misjudged her character. And I kind of apologize for that. Not as much as show is like with Rin and Ko, but Yoon is also kind of like a motherly type. I mean, she sits there and she sets up little break time for him with her little like tea and cookies and things like that. She likes to make sure that other people are around her are also relaxed and comfortable. But at the same time, she likes to joke and have fun. And like I said, you know, before she kind of eggs people on in their own misfortune. It's not straight up from a malicious way. It's just in more of a teasing fun way type of thing. And like, and even sometimes when people do have misfortunes, she then kind of does feel a little bit bad for laughing after the fact kind of thing. She doesn't necessarily show it though. I, I love how she's stylish. Mm. And like, you know, she does wear that kind of like Lolita style type of thing. And like she, but she also, she tries to act more mature than what she really is because of the fact that she was kind of like Alba too, where people mistake her for being younger than what she actually is too. But then at the same time in her private life, she's kind of like, you know, the, the one that rears her siblings because she still lives at home with her parents, but her parents are always busy. So she's busy at work, but then she's busy when she's not at work with her you know younger brother and younger sister and she's like a much older sibling that basically takes care of them like technically you know she's an adult but she's still it's I don't know, she's kind of stuck between two worlds she's stuck between being an adult and still being a kid herself which is it's quite an interesting dichotomy in that sense because you see the sort of power struggle in that uh, power struggle is not the right word but you see that she kind of struggles with her duality if that makes sense right so you see it when they when they go to the movie mm. And, you know, it's this, you know, kids like kind of Sailor Moon-esque type of show. And she doesn't want to admit that she likes it. But then she even gets the little wand souvenir and you see it in her bag later. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I think because she's with children, she can kind of hide it and be like, hey, this is for them. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe in a way she just wanted to go and see the film and she brought her siblings along as like a little excuse. You know what I mean? Could be the reason. Some people do that, right? But yeah, you mentioned her character character design her character design is quite interesting to be honest with you i really do enjoy it i do find though that she wears some really odd colors i mean yes it's a very sort of classical style i wouldn't say gothic lolita it kind of feels very victorian-esque or almost like de i don't want to say debutante but you know like southern Belle type look you know like a little house on the prairie kind of like that vibe especially with the sort of more earth tones like she wears a lot of brown she wears a lot of beige which is actually very odd Odd. I didn't really 
necessarily expect that, especially for a girl in Japan. Kind of thinking that was by design because so much of the show was so bright and colorful. Mm. Like you kind of see these, like they're, they're not really pastels, but they're on that kind of same hue level throughout the whole show. Yeah. That I think that like, because she herself, you can see like where she has like the skull with like, you know, the stovepipe hat and the roses. Like she's definitely into that kind of like, kind of gothic imagery. But at the same time, I think if they had gone full goth, with like just darks, you know, colors, blacks and grays, like and made her look a lot like um, Kuruneko, like, 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 yeah, like if they would have gone that route with her, I don't think it would have settled in as much, and I think it would have maybe been too jarring of a contrast between the rest of their work environment, and I think and, and character design. So I kind of think that's why, because not all goth has to be black, you know. Her colors are still a bit muted with the browns and the tans and all that type of the, stuff. The too. reason why I mentioned the whole sort of Southern Belle or Victorian England type, maybe like a duchess or something like that. My main thing was because of her, the way that she acts as a character, right? Or the way that, you know, the whole tea set and things like that. It doesn't really seem goth Lolita to me. The fact that she has these fancy sort of British biscuits and tea, you know what I mean? It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem goth Lolita. It just seems like Victorian duchess or, you know, little house on the prairie sort of debutante. Southern Bell type situation. I think it's one of those things that is kind of left up to our own interpretation too and it's not outright said too but I think it kind of goes along with the whole thing that she's still in that phase where she's discovering herself. Mm. So just like Hajime, like her and Hajime started at the same time and again this is their first game that they've worked on that's going to be coming out to the public and like I said that's kind of like the I think overarching theme to this whole series with every character is them discovering more about themselves that's it uh, it's interesting that you mentioned hajime because i really want to go on to her next she is like one of my all-time favorite characters i love hajime her character design is so good it's just it's so simple it's just like what a tank top a jacket shorts short hair she has a huge head that's something that i've noticed her head is fucking huge what is that about it seems a bit odd to me it's accentuated by her having the short hair too plus the fact i think they kind of had to do it because she's taller oh, okay. than the other girls and like i think it's it's more of a proportion type thing possibly i'm not sure that it stood out to me because it seemed a bit odd because every other character has the same obviously they have the same facial structure the same pointy chin and basically it's kind of like those shows kind of like Hakanai. if you shaved all the characters heads they'll look exactly the same just with different eye colors probably other than umiko because she has the eyebrows and obviously her skin tone is different but it's it's just odd because her head is just anyway i don't want to get onto the point about her her big melon head i think it's also to kind of emphasize her kind of childlike nature really because she's just like me she's a big kid okay i mean she, what's she's that got to do with a huge like, head though because babies have big heads i think i think that's a bit of a stretch will it's not the factor but i think it kind of just accentuates her more childlike side okay fair enough it's a good thing that you mentioned her childlike side because i really do enjoy her personality and the fact that she's an otaku is also very much of a bonus because we are considered otaku as well and a lot of the people listening i would say consider themselves otaku so i kind of also like how much of a clutch she is she kind of remember she reminds me of myself in that respect however she has a incredible passion for what she does possibly more than any other character in that team although she is part of a different team she's part of the motion 
Russian team and she sort of channels that inner Chunibyo to kind of recreate character animations with her own body right before translating that into programs like 3ds Max or Maya and I know for a fact that makes for a better more realistic slash fluid end animation sequence it reminds me of my friend Mladen from university the absolute legend who taught me how to model in 3ds Max how to set up cameras for rendering and actually how to do animations and rigging because in architecture you didn't really do much animations and rigging and stuff but me and him would kind of do that ourselves and kind of take our designs to the next level by doing little animations here and there and it was just so exciting to do that kind of stuff and for me like I said using these programs to animate instead of modeling and I kind of studied architecture so you can imagine how boring it is to model buildings in 3d all day and then just drawing in 2d as well but you know someone like Mladen kind of helped me to make it more exciting and give me that passion for Maya and 3ds Max and his eagerness to teach me the basics of animation and I kind of see a lot of him in the character of Hajime because of their passion and their drive for animation and motion and that's why I love and respect her as a character another thing that I do have to mention about Hajime uh, specifically is the fact that she's just great I know she's can be a bit of a clutch sometimes and you know sometimes her head can be a bit in the clouds but she always loves what she's doing you know what I mean like I haven't found a character that is that focused in this show probably other than Ko right so good on her I posted uh like I, I want to say months ago before we ever even decided to do this you know for for kunai that I made a post about how Hajime was actually one of the deepest characters in the show that people don't realize because of the fact like you know like I was joking with you the other day I said that you know she's like every otaku's kind of like dream otaku girlfriend you know because you know she's pretty and she's into that culture she's in the collectibles and the toys the figures the character goods all that type of stuff but it's much more than that like you said she really loves what she does mm. and she puts her all into it and that's like a lot of the other characters kind of give her grief for like all of her toys that she has at her desk like you know they say well you could do this if you didn't have all the stuff in your desk in your way and she's like but I need this stuff because like let's think, think of it this way so even when Alba was trying to do one of her character designs and she couldn't quite get the design right but she looked over at Hajime's desk and it had a figure there she's like i can use that as an idea can i see that figure yeah you know and that goes into a whole other tangent but anyway figure. right dandy. the dandy figure yeah, oh that was such a such a that's one of my favorite parts of the whole show um but like then she sits there with her like with her like swords and her wands and all that stuff and actually stands up and starts using them herself to figure out how characters will move in the game and like when she's even talking with Alba when Alba's new there and like you know Alba what's you know she's like what's going to happen with this character now and then Hajime is like oh well I'm going to take it and help give it life and she's like see here and like she she just shows like the characters simply walking things like that so she really does a lot more than what a lot of people give her credit for and like the whole thing with her like I, I kind of think it's funny how when they're doing the whole chart of the hierarchy of the team and like everyone has all these people under them and then it just comes to Hajime by herself in the motion team <laughs> it's like if she wasn't there shit wouldn't get done period the, the funny thing is right that there is a 
full motion team but she's just in that room because they have too many staff and they didn't have space for her but it was it was quite interesting because when she's doing that whole thing where she's actually recreating the movement i would say that a lot of the art team don't necessarily understand that because for her that's her reference point right in the same way that alba actually goes on google and she types in red leather shoes you know what i mean so she can actually know how to model because like i said i've been on both sides of that whether it's modeling or animation and those things kind of go hand in hand and your reference for animation is watching videos watching movement actually performing the movements yourself so that you can actually translate that into something that looks real instead of robotic i love the scene where they get to go to the like professional exhibit where the game's kind of being shown for the first time and they see the little trailer and like the creature starts coming out and sh her eyes just light up she's like they use my animation in the trailer how cool is that you know so just the fact that it shows how much she really loves what she does oh definitely i mean all the characters kind of have that sort of reaction yun had that as well when she saw her mob that was on screen and sophia chan as well for for alba so it was it was a nice thing the fact that they went to tgs and they they got to enjoy it speaking of the tgs episode it was interesting that we saw hifumi-chan cosplaying yes and also yes. she was playing the game and she got like what she said oh you beat the the highest clear time and it turns out she was playing the game that she was helping to develop so yeah it was a bit of a it was a bit of a cheat in that sense but speaking of hifumi so i really want to get into her i was gonna say is this can we can we talk about her her now oh, definitely <laughs> definitely we can talk about her for me hifumi is one of the most interesting characters in the show because of her duality she has two sides that you see in the show her instant messenger side and her irl interacting with colleagues in person she's incredibly bubbly and friendly online in person she's incredibly anxious especially when she's talking to new people and to be honest with you i relate to that a lot because you see me and you hear me on this podcast and i'm incredibly bubbly and i'm, I'm you know i have a lot of energy but when you see me in real life i don't want to talk to you not because i don't want to talk to you but because i have like extreme anxiety when i'm trying to speak to new people unless it's in a business sort of sense right if that makes sense i kind of relate to her you know feeling like a mess who can't really speak to new people properly unless i get to know them for a while or it's like strictly business so for me it's a delight to see when we see that crossover in duality of hifumi when she smiles after talking about her pet hedgehog sojiro or her opening up with alba about the fight and argument she had with sojiro the previous night she's a very simple character yet very complex with so many quirks to unpack her character development throughout the show is nothing short of fantastic. She is literally one of my favorite characters because you see the two sides merging together as the show progresses and you see her actually, I would say she has the most character growth in this show, in my personal opinion. I mean, I'm just going to kind of echo chamber you hear a bit. So it's like we were, how we were talking about Yoon and yes, how Yoon is one of my favorite character series, but Haifumi, is my favorite character in the series in the show and like you know she's you know i i joke all the time that like you know she would be my waifu from from the series and people are like oh you just you know think that because she's hot you know i'm like no it's not because she's hot i mean yes obviously right off the bat physically she's attractive and everything like that and like they even focus on some of that stuff like when they go to get the health check when they go to the little spa you know even just showing her sitting in in the seat and you know walking down the hallway always showing her like thigh high you know socks and stuff like that but that's just 
part of the character that she is because she is so quiet, so reserved, and so shy. But then she puts herself out there in some of these more open ways, like with the cosplay. And like, long story short, she wants friends, but she's always unsure of how to interact with people. And like, she's kind of taken aback at first when Alba even contacts her. Like the first time that she even tries to talk to her through the instant message, it like literally like scares her. She's like, wait, there's someone talking to me? kind of thing and then as the series goes on she's like i wonder if alba and i could be friends like it's her like wanting this this more than just a work relationship with people and like I, like one of my favorite scenes in the entire show is when they're they're in the hot bath and alba's having fun spraying people with the water and then like alba's sitting there and she's like oh i guess i'm not you know one of them since no one's spraying me in the face and alba looks over and sprays her in the face and then like she like puts her head down and all that stuff and I was like oh no I'm sorry I'm sorry are you okay she's like I didn't mean to like hurt your feelings or anything and she just gets the biggest smile I think on her face in the entire series because she's like I am part of them I am their friend and it's her kind of realizing that you know she can talk to people she can have friends she doesn't always have to be this quiet demure type mm. yeah genuinely I, I really do appreciate her her character and her design as well finally I don't know if you want to mention about the other characters but i've the last person i have notes for is another one of i would say the main cast but also not really main at the same time nenechi i really want to know before i give my opinion i want to know your opinion on nenechi well before we do that let me just uh touch here on umiko okay really mm -hmm. quick so i mean because it's one of those things like it's 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 so many of these characters that you kind of have to take them in a pair like you can't really have Hajime without you. Yeah. You can't have Alba without Ko. You can't have Rin without Ko. You know, you can't have Nanechi without Umiko. Oh, okay. That's interesting. They work together. I mean, they're the primary kind of like in work. I don't want to say couple because they're not like that kind of way, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Pair, I guess you could say that she's the one that keeps Nanechi on task. And she's the first person that actually recognizes Nanechi as just being more than just, you know, an airhead type character other than Alba. Umiko always comes off as being this serious type. Like when you're first introduced to her, she's always coming out talking deadpan, serious about work. She's like, you need to fix these bugs or not fix these bugs, but we found this bugs. Can you fix this? Like she comes to Alba, like when Alba's designing, you know, her character and Alba thinks she's finished, you know, with, with you know, her character. But then Umiko gives her like these list of issues. She's like, and then uh, uh, that's when Alba looks at, I guess it's Maya or the, whatever the pro designing program she's using and she sees all these different errors. She's like, oh no, I have all this stuff to fix. So she's the one that kind of introduces that factor into it. But then like she does kind of have her fun side with the whole airsoft thing. And I love how it's like when she gets like angry at someone, she doesn't yell at them. She pulls out a pistol and threatens to shoot them. But it's an airsoft gun. And I just think it's a really funny gag through the whole series. I think that's quite interesting as well because it, it kind of ties in with her character design and, and even her character backstory where she's from because she's from Okinawa. I didn't necessarily know this at the beginning. Like before she actually mentioned she's from Okinawa, her name Umiko, ko meaning child, umi meaning the sea or the ocean. And I heard that name and I was like, she's probably Okinawan because Okinawa is by the seaside. It's, it's the beach and whatnot. And I found out later on the whole obsession with guns. And I was like, oh, there's an American military base there. Makes sense because she has a lot of these gifts that she gets, like the, the actual shells, like the shotgun shells and the artillery 
artillery shells. They were gifts from American soldiers. So I was like, okay, it's probably, it makes sense why she's kind of obsessed with guns and FPS because I'd imagine she might have lived quite close to the American base or, you know, had some sort of tie with that. So it was quite interesting in that sense. I'm a bit confused on whether or not that's actually her real voice, if that makes sense. Because it, to me, it sounds like she's putting on a voice because there was a time when she had, I can't remember her name, I think Shizuku or whatever her name is. She covered her eyes and she put on this really kawaii voice. And I was like, oh, obviously you knew it was Umiko, but it's like the voice that she puts on seems very like put on, if that makes sense. And I think that because of the fact that that she's, you know, herself ahead of her own department, I think that maybe she does kind of put on airs a little bit. Mm. We can't talk about season two, but she does open up a little bit more in season two and you get to see more of her as well. So now with that out of the way, do you want me to talk about Nene? I would prefer you to talk about Nene Chi first and then I'll get into my opinions on Nene. So I will say this. I still remember back when the show was airing every episode when Nene was around. All you would see is people talking online about how annoying she was. Mm, Okay. Nene gets under my skin. She's so annoying. I love Nene. I adore her. Yes, I can understand some people's feelings on her because of the fact she is so childish, but we all mature at our own different rates and everything. And the thing is, is that even though people might think that Nanechi, we'll just say Nanechi, it's easier for me, is dumb, she's really not. I mean, the girl did get into university. She's going to the university where Alba was even thinking about going to and everything. Uh, she just doesn't really have as much direction in her life at the time. Um, and then like you know she comes into eagle jump at when she sees the advertisement on the board at university that they were looking for some part-time workers to help them find bugs and things like that with the game and basically be play testers and she's like well this is an opportunity i can go see where alba is working and make sure they're treating her good that was her initial thing about even wanting to go there she was concerned about alba because she knew alba was working so much and she wanted to make sure that she wasn't about around a bunch of quote unquote weird people in in a weird setting so she's actually a lot smarter than people let on to and even like i said tying her to umiko umiko even notices that because even though she gives her so much grief because she's always trying to go talk to alba see what alba's doing she just wants to be with her friend the whole time she then notices though the copious notes that she's taking the amount of attention she's paying you know to the game like trying to actually find different angles in the game where to see if like she could even see up the skirts of some of the characters finding places where she might be able to stand and fight and you know do things that weren't initially intended in the game like she actually notices how much work she is putting into what she's doing which leads Nene into the the line of like man this is actually pretty cool I think I might want to do this too just like Alba I think I might want to work in video games in some type of capacity so it kind of helps give her direction herself where before she even said like even though she was going to university she didn't know what she wanted to do it's very interesting that you mentioned that a lot of people had this consensus that she was quite dumb I mean I could see why people thought that but at the same time it's interesting interesting because she says that about herself a lot i think she's mentioned it to umiko before that you know i have nothing to offer i'm dumb i'm i'm a klutz i'm this i'm that and she she does admit her own flaws she realizes that she's childish she knows what is quote unquote wrong with her but we see her grow as a character we know for a fact as you mentioned that she isn't dumb she's very intelligent as you said she managed to get into university something that is an achievement in itself is very difficult to get into uni but also at the same time her notes um one thing that i've mentioned here is 
that Nenechi, in essence, reminds me of a friend of mine called Adam in the sense that, you know, we literally talk every day and sometimes they speak about stuff that he might not understand, like podcast stuff, like, oh, I'm worried about this or I'm worried about that. He doesn't understand a single word that I'm saying in the same way that Nenechi doesn't necessarily understand everything that Albert is saying, especially when she has her gripes and grumbles at the end of the day. But she's very considerate of Albert's feeling, right? And especially from, I think, the first or second episode, she was like, I didn't want to ask you how your day at work was because I felt that maybe you might have had a bad day. So that's why she had to talk about bullshit to sort of get her mindset off from the work, which I thought was very considerate as a character. She's also very genuinely interested to hear about her day, even if she doesn't understand the technicalities behind it, right? And I think that is the mark of a good friend. Yes, she had known Alba since kindergarten and they're literally next door neighbors. But at the same time, you can have next door neighbors and people you grew up with, but they don't necessarily care about you in that way. But they care about each other so much. And I would say maybe that Nenechi cares more about Alba than Alba cares about her. I don't really want to get into it, but that's kind of my vibe that I get a lot. But to be honest with you, I find that they're kindred spirits and I really do enjoy their dynamic. That being said, and this is where you might be disappointed with my opinion here. Nenechi, I would have to say she is my least favorite character. Not saying that I hate her. I don't hate her by any means. She's a fantastic character, but we don't see much of her and often she's used as comic relief, which I think is a bit unfair on her. You know, we see her tripping a lot. We see her as, oh, you're the spy, you're this, you're that. And she is quite a smart character. I think they needed to do her more justice in this season particularly. And we kind of got that towards the end. Although at the same time, in the final episode, when they did that whole uh, CCTV footage, the whole cops TV show, when she's walking with the gun and it just cuts there. Yes, it's funny, but at the same time, she's being portrayed in a certain way. And I didn't really appreciate that. I think that's one of the reasons why I say that I love Nanechi. And it's not necessarily just her as a character, but because almost every single scene she's in, I'm just smiling ear to ear or I'm laughing. So she is kind of like that comedy relief through the show even though it is already a comedy show, but I understand what you're saying there. Finally, the one thing that I don't necessarily like about her character is her voice. Voice is it's not so much childlike, but she has a particular type of inflection or reflection with no, her it's, words. It's definitely childish. I wouldn't say childlike, but it's a child dish but that's because also just the way her her mind is she isn't the most mature yeah character. like she's the least mature character out of everyone even comparing her to to hajime mm. and i kind of see some similarities with hajime she does have that sort of chunibyo-esque vibe to her like especially the one thing that caught me out was when she said she said something she was apologizing and then she said desu and i was like not this again. I hate that. I hate that kind of characters that they sort of over formalize things in that sort of Chunibyo, <laughs> you know, that sort of Chunibyo s character trope. I didn't really like that. Also, her hairline. I'm sorry. Her hairline is pretty weird. Look, I have an issue with the hair and the, the head shapes in the show. I don't know why. It's just the hairline stuck out to me. I was like, what the hell is going on? It looks like. I'm just gonna say, I love it, but Dude, you know, that's. Do you know what it looks like? It looks like she tried to cut her own bangs and fucked up. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to me. And it's just- Honestly, knowing Nanechi, that's probably what happened. Uh, but the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, it suits her as a character, but at the same time, it just, it's so distracting. It's funny, but it's just so distracting. And it kind of adds to her whole uh, fact that she is comic relief. It is clear though, that she is still childlike in behavior, but the job working at Eagle Jump and having those interactions with Umiko and the other characters is helping her to become more of an adult. Uh, like I said, I don't hate her 
her as a character. I really enjoy her character. She's still a fantastic character, but she is the least favorite from this wonderful cast. So don't take that as I'm shitting on the character or anything. Just giving my honest opinion. Fantastic character. No, I totally get it. I 100% understand that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't hold that against you either, but you know, I enjoy her when she's on screen, but it's purely from an entertainment mm. aspect than I would say anything else. So, you know, like just hearing your opinion on it's kind of helped me realize that like I do love the character, but also, you know, I'm biased between reading the manga, seeing season two and things like that. But I totally understand where you're coming from. I think it's a good place to sort of talk about the art style and animation. As as you guys know, this is a Doga Kobo animated show. And obviously they make quite awesome shows that we've covered on Kunai before. Plastic Memories, trying to remember what other stuff they've done. They've done some really awesome shows. You can go and check them out. Monthly Girls. Oh yeah, Monthly Girls, Nozaki-kun uh, as well. Their art style does not disappoint. You know what? It's, it's wonderfully cute and you'd expect it from this studio and the colors themselves that they use are very vibrant uh in line with the themes in the show i don't know it just made me feel very happy and positive there's not really much i can say because i don't know how to explain it game development studios are not always designed that way Does that makes sense they tend to be more like office spaces kind of gray and dark and dreary and you feel like you're working in a prison and whatnot but there's you know green walls and there's blue here and this and that and you have the natural light coming in like they thought about even how they were going to design the office building to a t and it's 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 quite interesting in that sense so yeah the 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 detail the detail in the show is one of the things that i definitely want to talk about like even you know showing just the books on the shelves mm. showing the energy empty energy drink you know cans and bottles like on on co's shelf and things like that like they really put a lot of background detail into the show when they didn't need to and then it's one of those things that they kind of used it to to at times to emphasize the characters kind of like in a way that um that shaft sometimes does with like you know uh nisekoi in the uh monogatari series mm. where like the main characters they want to show will be in the foreground bright and colorful and then background characters will be just all of a sudden look like stick figures almost and things like that or just be like a simple muted background but they use it at times just to emphasize that particular scene but then when it goes back to a normal scene you still got all that detail there and another thing that i also enjoy that they do is the cutaway gags as well as the little transitions between certain points in the scene you know if Alba is getting a bit like airheaded for a particular moment where she's sort of what, what do you call it um daydreaming or anything like that you know you see the background starts to change and there's like these swirly effects and sometimes you see like when they're shocked their eyes have these little swirls in them and stuff like that that really adds a level of immersion to that feeling and it doesn't feel it's weird because the show is pretty much set in like one space for the most of the time but because of these different transitions and these different particle effects and things like that it doesn't feel like that you know what i mean which i thought was was quite fantastic a really good example i think of that too is when hafumi is wondering about alba like when she sees like alba kind of like you know poking fun she's like i wonder is she like that mean type of friend and then she starts daydreaming and it cuts to a shot of like alba like a devil in like you know his black and red outfit but then that's like kind of 
transpose upon, uh, upon a white background just to show that it's kind of like that dream space kind of thing. I thought that was quite hilarious to be honest with you. And it's it's another thing that I've I've noticed that they've really taken the time to, to do the detail in also the programs as well. Like I noticed this first with the book because it says like the textbook is obviously textbooks that we would have had for uni as well. It says Autodesk Sire. Obviously it's supposed to be a, a meme on like Maya, Maya. But I don't understand why they didn't rename Autodesk because that's also a trademark and it doesn't make much sense to me. Maybe that might have been a mistake or maybe they got permission from Autodesk to do that but just not use the name. I did realize also that they went the extra mile in recreating the layouts for the operating systems, not just the operating systems, programs that they use like 3ds Max and Maya. I'm not sure if they were screen recording. To me it didn't seem like screen recordings. To me it seems like they were simulated so that they were designed in 3D as opposed to someone just recording their screen because stuff was edited. Not everything is like exactly the same as it would be in Maya or something. So I think they went in and meticulously done like a separate sequence to, to recreate these programs. I thought that was quite uh, fantastic and it was really accurate as well because they were mentioning the shortcuts to use on how to hide control H and stuff like that. I was like, oh my God, that's the right shortcut to use. I got so excited when I saw that. And it's that level of attention to detail that I really, really enjoyed. And even then the 3D models in the fairies game and even the character artwork of the game, it's on par with actual character artwork from a game and actual 3D models from a game. Because when I saw the 3D models, I was like, oh my God, is this game basically Rune Factory? Like it kind of gave me that Rune Factory vibe. And I was just like, this game is Rune Factory, right? Like at least that's what I felt with it. When I saw those 3D models and when I saw the the sort of the character designs, although I will say Sophie, uh, Sophie-chan does remind me of a Atelier character from Gust. So it kind of gives me that vibe. But in general, the amount of work that they did to sort of recreate the game. Yes, they didn't make a game in real life, but they would have, you know, rendered all of that in 3D. And that's not an easy feat to do. One of the things I've tried to kind of pay attention to this time, like I said, really looking at some of the details, like even look at, you know, the Saya book, like when Ko gives it to Alba, you know, it's just, you know, a normal book with a couple like maybe notes or something like that. But as it goes and they show the book more you see more and more little like post-it notes and tabs sticking out of the out of the book as like Albert herself has like made notes and you know annotations and things like that to go through or like like you said talking about about the game the fact that they actually took the time to animate this game but animate it in a way that it looks vastly different than the real world yeah. it actually looks like a game and then the fact that they actually produced like an actual trailer for the game that they showed at you know the game expo and then again at the release of the game like just how much effort that they put into the series just really at times just blows me away with how simple of an actual uh, premise the entire series is and i think part of that is somewhat needed because it wouldn't make the show as interesting because bear in mind yes you can put a lot of these details in mind but when you're kind of translating that into anime you really need a lot more detail especially when it is a show about making a game or making an anime or something like that the devil is in the detail this show sort of delivers that i don't have anything else on art style animation i really want to get into the opening and endings because the music in the show i didn't really kind of like the background music i didn't necessarily notice as much the voice acting is amazing but i don't have many notes on that the opening and ending i really enjoyed the 
OP of the show uh, known as Sakura Skip. It's not the best OP that I've heard, but it really works well for the show and it helps create a hype sort of feeling for the show, especially when the trumpets start playing. I, I feel like I was listening to university marching band right before a big football game. And I'm not even American, but I felt that, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where like, in, in my opinion, the OP is part of the show and that's a great analogy i guess you say the, the the marching band analogy because it's it kind of hypes you up for what you're about to watch i made a joke the other day i said when you're watching new game i said and you skip the op op of the show you have no soul because it's such a lead into the show even though it's the same op every time it is such a hype man for it and the fact that it actually spends time with every character in the series too and they all get their little parts and their little lines it's it's so good it's just so good and the animation even in the op is just fantastic and of course it has the it also has the the kirada jump so if you ever know any anime series that comes from manga time kirada all the girls always have like a part in the op where they all like link arms and jump together oh it's in every single yeah it's called the kirada jump i never noticed that before until now okay that's interesting the ending was a bit meh but i do prefer the ending to the op really yeah see i'm the opposite before i get into it the ending in my opinion felt a bit dramatic for a slice of life <laughs> it would have been more in place for a show like sword art online or chunibyo or really a show with more dramatic plot rather than this overarching story that we see although i must say out of context the ending is superb i, I love how the cast are coming together to sing it that's another thing like that's it's something rare you don't necessarily see in anime and you can really hear their voices coming through and their personalities through their voices it sounds odd but you can also hear their friendship as well and it felt real it didn't feel like manufactured and fabricated for television i'll say you that's another thing that is kind of common with the dogokobo series in general so like for instance like they did wataten and they did you know and the, and the ed for that is very similar too where it shows the characters all coming up together rising through the stage and even like you know the moms of the characters come out like you know they all come together and they all have their own parts where they're singing together so it's kind of a thing with them as well yeah now now i would say like now loading the ed for season one it's good mm. i have the soundtrack for both season one and season two like i'm not gonna lie like i love the music from the series too but that's because of the fact like i associate the ops and eds and all the music so much with the characters that even when i'm just listening to the song i'm thinking about the show but at the same time it's not like one that i would l continually listen on repeat it's like something that I would just listen to if I want to get hyped or, or when I'm watching the show I wouldn't skip them which is actually fantastic as well um I don't really have anything else to say in regards to the whole sound of the show the voice acting is superb but at the same time I, I do want to mention that it's not to me it doesn't feel as though that they are being voiced by actors it feels like real people voicing and of course they are being voiced by actors and whatnot but the voice acting is just so good that you just don't realize and you get engrossed in in the conversation that they have it doesn't feel like it's actual actors reading a script it feels like real people having conversation and i think that's the best thing i could say about it this is one of those things why i think you know just me being a fanboy and why i like the japanese so much better than the english is that tokuno kun you know the mangaka mm -hmm. he actually had a hand in like picking the voice actors too 
like because of course he has the voice of what these characters would sound like in his own head so he had a hand in that it's kind of like another reason why i'm such a big fan of a series like Woltakoi because the Woltakoi mangaka same thing he literally had the voices in mind of what uh actors he wanted to portray those characters so it's kind of the same thing here and i think that's why their voices do fit so well i really wanted to know was there anything that you didn't necessarily like in the show or anything you felt that could have been improved um i do think there were just a few simple pacing issues here but i kind of understand them from time constraints and some of the things weren't as easy to transition from a simple you know they say you know yonkoma which means four panel manga that's what the manga is based on where it's you know four panels per page that tell the story it's kind of hard to go from that into anime so the studio themselves have to kind of like fill in those gaps type of thing but i mean that's super minor I have one issue with the series. It's kind of a double-edged sword, and that is, in my opinion, first season, it's almost like a setup or a prequel. Season two is like the real story of New Game, and that's that's my one real gripe with what, what this as a whole. What do you mean a, a setup for a prequel? I found that quite interesting. Can't say anything to spoil season two, but there's just, like I said, this is just laying the groundwork for like how every character kind of has her own little character growth during this season that is just completely expounded upon even more so in the next season like characters that had just like little minor things happen in season one they blow up tenfold in season two speaking of the second season would you want to see a second season i know you've already watched it but initially when you watched this show were you excited for the premise of a second season i mean when i watched it i honestly didn't think it would get a second season so so it was one of those things when i found out they were doing season two of course i fangirled hard Mm. type of thing Mm. Uh, I completely agree with you because for me, the ending didn't seem as though, I mean, there was a little bit of a hint when they mentioned, oh, our next game, you know, Ko will be the art director, but are we really guaranteed that there is going to be a next season? Knowing that there is a second season, yes, I'm going to watch it because of what you said, and I'm just excited for the character development and to see the story progress. However, initially when watching it, if I didn't know that there was a second season, I would be satisfied with this one season. Like, it's very encompassing, like everything just stays within that one season. I think that's great. Although, I will say one thing. Instead of a second season, I would rather see a prequel season. So, a sort of spin-off in which you see more of Core and the characters basically before Alba came. When they were making the first Fairies game, or maybe the second one, etc. I think that would be very nice to see. Because I would really want to see how it was back then. And how Core was really harsh to the point where someone actually quit their job. I want to see that. And I want to see all these other things. Because they make reference to all of these past thing you know how Cole used to look like in interviews and things like that and the fact that you know she would be alone at her desk and stuff like this so I really want to see more of that and I I feel like you can only see that in a a prequel as opposed to a sequel yeah talking about how like I was saying it's kind of hard sometimes to sneak everything in from a manga into an anime too so like like even in the the manga they they even show like Alba's interview and how she even got the job with New Game which they don't go into 
into obviously in the actual show itself so i can kind of see that but one issue i would have with that is like okay if they go back to then then do they go back even before then before because you're constantly going to be getting stories about previous characters and everything where i think where they start at they just kind of get the ball rolling and then you learn you know about their backgrounds just through them talking about it type of a thing okay. so i mean i see your point but at the same time it's like if you go back i mean i, I think a prequel would be cool uh but uh, i don't think it's needed okay. type of a thing but i will say like when you said that you felt satisfied with the ending of season one like if uh, there had never been a season two that's that's exactly how i felt mm. too i'm like okay if they never make a season two this is great all on its own but i want to see more and part of me felt that it was designed like that i don't think the studio knew that they were going to get picked up for a second season until probably they saw the amount of people that were you know buying blu-rays or watching it on streaming services and stuff like that so i felt that especially it being a 12 episode anime 12 episodes anime generally don't get a second season unless there is some immense hype for it finally who would you recommend this show to because for me i would say i wouldn't recommend this to everyone but if you like a good laugh or i wouldn't say if you're new to anime but if you're someone that is a really big gaming fan but you want to transition into anime this might be the perfect middle ground for you because you have that interest in gaming you'll kind of understand how the japanese gaming industry works game development etc but also you get cute characters you get a lot of comedic moments but also some drama so i think for that particular audience it would work perfectly for but i don't think this is a show that i would recommend to everyone only like specific groups i recommend the show to everybody regardless but like i have some friends that i recommend it to that pretty much all they watch are like shonen series and they're like yeah no i'm not gonna watch that so like you kind of have to pick and choose that obviously the people that are into your cute girls are in cute things you can recommend it to them people who like shows like shirabako you can definitely recommend it to them i definitely think it's a great show for anyone that wants to see more kind of like behind the scenes type shows like that people that are into gaming people that are into just you know how anime is produced because you can kind of correlate what they do in this to even how anime itself is produced so i think those type of fans would be good for but you said you can't recommend it to everybody now i do i tell everybody watch this show because i think it could potentially be a gateway anime in into people branching out more. I, like I said, I have some friends that they, they only watch a show that's fighting, flashy, mm. battle shown, and that type of stuff. They're just, they're not going to watch a show like this. It's just not going to happen. So that being said, I think this was a great discussion today. Uh, I just really want to end this episode with obviously thanking Will, but also at the same time, thanking you guys for listening, whether you're listening on any of the services, or especially if you are listening on early access, thank you for subscribing and thank you for actually paying for a subscription. It really does help us out a lot. Also, big thanks to our sponsors, Japan Crate, J-List, and Crunchyroll. Yeah, if you want to find us on Twitter, we are on Twitter at Get Alive Podcast. Will is at Yamstar. Remember, if you want to give us a suggestion for Kunai, join our Discord, getalivepodcast.com forward slash Discord. We've got some amazing anime discussions, amazing gaming discussions, and we have everything in our Discord page. It is quite small, but we are, I would say, a very loving and tightly woven community, which we, we kind of are very open open to having everyone kind of join as well we're going to actually announce what episodes we're going to do for the coming month so that you guys can join in on the discussion watch the shows that we're going to watch and really have that discussion with us as well the next episode of kunai is actually going to be my love story which is a suggestion that i suggested and hopefully we'll see will on as well thank you will for coming on i really do appreciate it man happy to be here and yeah i think that's the end of the episode bye see ya remember guys actually no i can't do this only joe can do this
so stay sexy, I guess.